<clears throat> Let's start with who you are and what you do. Okay. My name is Leanne Singer, and um, I'm marketing and sales director for the Singer Group. The Singer Group is a family-owned business. We've been around for over 60 years in the Western Cape. Western Cape is one of the most beautiful provinces in South Africa. I am, of course, biased because this is where, where our heart, our home, and our hotels are. Um, but we have a very proud history. My, my payoff line is, is very simple. We're the family business with big business thinking. So we're a family business, but we have 11 brands, 11 businesses across tourism. We employ um, just short of 380 people. Um, and we, we've, we've really... We've really worked hard over the last few decades to ensure that we have a solid, reputable brand because all you have at the end of the day is your name. Our family name is attached to this business, right? It's, it's a singer group. My surname is Singer. My children carry the, the singer legacy. My father-in-law started this business. So it's something that, that I value and take quite seriously is, is the brand promise and the fact that it's attached to our family name. Okay. <clears throat> I love that you're so passionate right out of the gate. You know, the reason I put the mics on us to be in on this podcast is we were just talking about your perspective of the emotions that go into your customers. And, you know, I hear, I hear different um, versions of empathy and, and I think, I don't think there's anybody I've ever met who said, you know, I really just hate customers and I want their lives to be miserable. Mm. But your business, as you were describing it, has more requirement for sensitivity about the emotional purchase. And you were saying it much better than I. So without, I'm sorry, but could you start <laughs> over and tell me yes. that philosophy again? Yes. Um, so whenever I recruit or interview or do staff training or communicate with my staff, I remind them and I emphasize and I stress that every single transaction with our businesses is an emotional transaction, right? You're not going down to the corner cafe to buy a loaf of bread. When they choose our businesses, when they choose to spend their money with us, it is an emotional investment. If you're coming down to Cape Town, it may have been that you've been at home the whole year, planning your, your December holiday. Your husband's been working his ass off. You've been at home looking after the kids. And the one time that you have per year is the special holiday that you have with your husband when you come down to Cape Town every year. If, if we as a hotel do not understand where you're coming from, why you've chosen us, how valuable this is to you, there's a problem. There's a disconnect. You could be coming down to Cape Town because you are coming for the biggest interview of your life, right? You could be coming down to Cape Town because your child is graduating from University of Cape Town. You could be coming because you are here to bury a parent. There is always a trans an emotional investment. It's an emotional transaction in the hospitality industry. Can I jump in there? Mm. <laughs> I want to just jump in because for me, mm -hmm. this trip has been highly emotional. I've come down to work with a group who has been working their ass off for many years, a decade, to produce the, the, what they feel is the highest quality customer experience event for the region, 
for the people, for the brands, for the guests, for people to learn. And so that in and of itself was very emotional. But combine that with the fact that I've come down in part because of how much I was inspired last year about the people to film stories about the frontline agents. Um, and I've gone to some great lengths. I went to Google too. I filmed there. So I've put myself in harm's way because of how emotional it is. And you, you've surrounded me with um, hotel accommodations in multiple places in the city. You've sponsored my emotional well-being. And it's, it, it has not been a transaction. Um, I know it's not a transaction for you, even just this little bit of discussion. But I want to just emphasize that it is difficult to be 33 hours of travel away from home, carrying a bunch of equipment, going from place to place. And so I just want to say you're, you're exactly right. For me, every minute that I'm awake or asleep depends on where I stay and how I feel. And the fact that you and your team have made every moment here, I'll just call it peaceful for mm -hmm. me. It's meant mm -hmm. the world to me. So thank you for I'm, that. I'm so happy to hear that because Cape Town is post-pandemic. Um, tourism is doing pretty well, right? We're very fortunate. We've got a lot of work to do. We're facing challenges on a daily basis, which we'll get into just now. But there are so many new hotels that are planned. Um, there are new accommodation establishments opening on a daily basis. Some that are, are far hotter, far newer, far more modern, far sexier than what our hotels are. Right? Some of our hotels are, are, have been around for 20, 30 years. But again, I say to my staff, we are never, ever going to be able to compete on bricks and mortar with every single new hotel that opens up in town. But where we can damn sure compete and where we're going to always be winning is in the relationship and in the service. And that is why, um, despite being a, a big business, that, that family ethos runs through. I'm one of the nicest, most generous people you'll meet. But if you fuck with my customers, right, I, I, I do not suffer fools lightly. When I interview staff, I interview them in the middle of the hotel lobby. I interview them in the middle of the restaurant because I need to see what is their body language when somebody walks through the door. What Are they looking around? Do they make eye contact? Are they aware that somebody needs attention, that somebody needs help? And that is my, that is my acid test when I interview people. If somebody walks in and they don't even notice that somebody is walking past them or somebody looks slightly lost or needs directions or help, then I know that this business is not for the job. You cannot fake working in the service industry. You cannot fake working in hospitality. People can see right through you. And um, it's, it's often, often being, being a waiter in a restaurant, people see that as in South Africa, certainly. It's a, it's a career transition. It's while I'm a student, I'm doing this to, to pay my ways. But um, for some people, this is a livelihood. This is a calling. It's a passion. And they, they want to just give and give and give and be better and do better. And some of us are just born, born to serve. And I think there's a privileged few of us, you know, that are, that are born to serve. And it's such a great honor and a privilege to be able to play that role in someone's life and make those connections as human beings because damn, that's all that it's about is to connect with another human being and take a bit of their energy and they give you a bit of their energy. So true.
You know, <clears throat> what I'll say is a lot of people that I experience around the globe, they are, uh, as mentioned, not trying to be too cynical, but everybody will say in their own jargon, they care about customers. But what I really do is I try to find stories about businesses who really mean it, mm. right? And one way I do that, I personally, is I judge um, leaders in customer experience or businesses on how transparent they are. And what I really appreciate about you and your team is you are transparent. You know, I talked to many of your staff uh, at, at the other location and the transparency and the openness, it, it really, to me, is this uh, truth mm. test of mm. do they really mean it or mm. because your staff didn't try to only show me the very best. Mm. They weren't. And what I mean by that is they weren't trying to dazzle me with this, that or the other thing. Mm. They just were genuinely just like you said. They could just sense when you walk in, do you need anything or, you know, and they uh, I had a, a couple of experiences where I was trying to figure out how to get some things printed or whatever. And I just think the uh, proactive um, guidance and support came through in everyone from the drivers to the, to the, uh, the hotel um, check-in staff to, you know, everybody I met. So I, I love that. I love that you say it. Mm. I just saw it's it. Your experience. And I'm very happy to hear that. For me, it's, you know, it goes down to giving them some authority in terms of decision-making, right? Mm -hmm. They need to know that, that they can bend and break the rules within certain limits. And it's always got to be centered around the customer. So can right? I jump in there? Mm. I'm sorry to cut you off. Mm. That was, I didn't know how to plan. Mm. That's what I noticed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Maybe it, I really thought because I'm not from mm -hmm. like, so that's how they do that in Africa. Like mm -hmm. they just make it work mm -hmm. for the customer. Mm -hmm. But you're saying this autonomy or this um, style of customer experience, you, you open the flexibility so that they can act instead of call somebody mm -hmm. to ask permission or. Absolutely. And, you know, if, if we want to talk, let's quickly talk, uh, talk commercials, right? Um, in the hotel industry. So we have a fixed number of units to sell every night. Say we, we, we have 100 rooms to sell every night. We, we, we need to try and um, there's, there's this delicate dance between occupancy and revenue. To use the extreme example, my hotel will run at 100% occupancy every night if I sell it at $1 a night, right? I'll be 100% full 365 days a year. But what's my revenue going to be? Or do I sell two rooms a night at $10,000 a night, right? That, that's the game that you constantly play. So, so sometimes you run after occupancy, sometimes you run after revenue, and that all depends on the time of the year that you operate in. So my staff every night when the general manager leaves, when we all leave, they need to know that if a guest walks through that door now, a potential guest, what can I sell that room at? What is the time of the day? What is my where do I draw the line? Where will I accept the money? And where will I not accept the money? And for me, it's very important to empower stuff like that. And I'm very transparent about, um, yes, this is what the turnover of the business is. But what is that old saying that we learned at business school? Turnover is vanity. 
profits is sanity, cash flow is reality. And I have those discussions with the staff. I said, this is no different to you running your budget at home, right? Um, so make the best decisions for the business. Or I will say, if you were the owner of this business, what decision would you make right now? Would you would you look on the system and the system says tonight we're selling the room for $1,000 and if the guest says I have $900, you'll turn them away if this was your business? Or would you take that $900 and then tomorrow morning motivate yourself with the general manager? So that is the space that I want my staff to operate in because they will always have the business's best interest at heart and it empowers them to, 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 to learn skills that they can apply in their own lives one day. So let me, let me jump in there. <clears throat> Yes to that. I was I was at a, at this conference and I was listening to uh, a, a, a leader of customer experience for the continent, and he said this. His name's uh, uh, Alpha, and he is uh, he's a CX Hall of Fame guy, and he said this thing on stage that just blew my mind. I I always think I'm so smart, and then you hear something I don't get it. He was saying that. Yeah. customer experience. He said, let's put that aside. He said, let's think about like in, out on an oil rig somewhere and you have a department of health and safety. And he said, safety can't live in the office of health and safety. Safety has to be everywhere on the oil rig in every mind. And he said, I think he called him cubicle Bob or something, but he said, when this person on the third floor in the back in cube five, he understands what customer service is, then you've done your job. Mm. And he took it and he said, it's just like uh, financial finances. If every person in the job doesn't get that we're running a job, mm. finance can't live mm. on a desk in some room. And I, that's just exactly what you said. Exactly. Um, one of my least proud moments in life was... I was sitting in the in the hotel reception working where you'll always find me. And a guest walked in with luggage and he asked for directions to the hotel next door. And our security manager, very helpful, doing exactly what he was, offered to take the gentleman's luggage and walk him to the hotel next door. And I... I, I, I should have handled it more gracefully than what I did because I was a pure salesperson. And I said, the, the lost opportunity here, yes, you did the right thing as a human being. Someone asked for directions and you even helped to carry their bag and walk them to the hotel next door. But you need to also take ownership of the business and think like a hustler. We always have to be selling, right? Because that is why we are in business. I can be all altruistic and say, I'm here to serve people, but if I can't pay the bills, you know what, then, then I may as well say serve people at home. So um, th that was such an interesting moment for me because I realized that whilst there is always a focus on the guest experience and guest training, there is so much more work to be done in, in showing the staff where revenue streams lie, where they can earn extra money, where the business can earn extra money, where... Um, there's low-hanging fruit for all of us to always be looking out for those opportunities. Because at the end of the day, the more successful the business is, the, the better for all of us. And I know that if my staff are my clients, right, the hotel staff next door, the people who, who can spend money at my businesses. So 
as soon as we start circulating the rand, as soon as our economy gets stronger, as soon as there's more job creation and we lower our horrific unemployment numbers, there's just more money to be spent in the economy and, and everybody will benefit at the end of the day. Yeah, it's so true. One of the things on that note, because <clears throat> we're talking about human to human interaction as a uh, ethos of customer experience. But one of the things that um, I did, because I was curious at the, 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 the other hotel where I was staying on your property, is I was curious about um, the, the entire resort or mm. hotel. And I was talking to somebody and one of your front desk people said, well, let me just show you around. So they showed me around and they, they actually took me to a bunch of different rooms that you had. All, everything in your brochure, anybody can look up, it was all there. What I noticed was that they were randomly going around, opening doors where there were no guests and taking me in. And every room had been addressed the same way consistently and i thought wow it struck me how absolutely similar each of the rooms had been managed even though each of the rooms had a different floor plan and a different um uh configuration there was this consistency of uh maintenance or care that i saw and i thought wow that that's that's it struck me because I go to, I spent a lot of time in hotels mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I can go. I think it's one thing when you have one room, one format mm -hmm. and everything, you, it, every person just repeats the same thing, mm -hmm. but your staff, each one had just this little bit of difference, but it was all carried to the same. And yeah. that struck me. And that's more than just the human to human. That's like before the human. Yes. I'll tell you why that's important, especially for the Coliseum Hotel where you stayed. The area where the hotel is located, Century City, is um, a corporate market. So, so just to, to, to explain, you have domestic travel, you have international travel, you have leisure travel, and you have corporate travel. So Coliseum in Century City, that is domestic corporate. We, we predominantly cater for local South African business people. Um, traveling on business trips. That's what that location is because it's surrounded by all our big... Which is why. Big, yes, which is why you find yourself there, which is where all our big big um, <clears throat> corporate uh, head offices are in Cape Town. So we have a lot of repeat guests, right? A massive amount of repeat guests. And I need to ensure that that guest knows exactly what he's getting. If I can't give him the same room number that he likes, um, you know, 602, I need to know that if he's in 603 tonight, that he still has a similar experience because he comes back week after week after week. And that is part of, if you like, like you have, Dennis, where you live on the road, out of your suitcase, people think it's glamorous. Mm -mm. It's not. No. It's not. Therefore, it's so cliched. Everybody says a home from home. But for me, really, because we have regular guests, we have a massive repeat business. 70% of our guests are repeat, are repeat guests, right? Yeah. It is very important that their experience is consistent. Um, that our staff know who they are, that you feel, listen, we all have egos. There's nothing that we like more than our names being recognized and walking in. I mean, we all feel like fucking celebrities when we walk into a hotel and, hello, Mrs. Singer, how are you? So nice to see you again. You feel like you're famous, right? And um, when, you're, when you're a repeat guest, 
there's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of hotels that our guests can choose from. So the fact that they've chosen me, I have a responsibility. I have to show my gratitude because they've chosen me and I have a responsibility to ensure that they are as comfortable, as well-rested, as prepared for, for, for their trip down to Cape Town. Yeah, you were, you were talking about, <clears throat> you know, the importance of flexibility and the business acumen and your commitment. And I, I think, again, a lot of brands, uh, a lot of brands have to deal with those things. But I don't, I do think you're in a unique market. <laughs> Cape Town is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and it's, but it's so hard to get mm. to, mm. and it's so far away. Mm. And you're in a very interesting economy compared to, say, like a European mm. city that, and mm. so you're. You're grappling with much more than just customer experience for your guests that fly in, but in some ways, and I'm probably just feeding you this mm. this line, but I'm curious, please tell me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> it feels like do you have a sense that your commitment to customer experiences has to be maybe a little bit different or stronger because you have to pull from so much further away. And then you're, you're, you're a set of uh, smaller, I mean, you're up against, as you mentioned, competition. How does all that work? Okay. So, so I'm going to start off by talking about our businesses and then some of the other roles that I have in tourism. Yes. So in terms of our, our, our businesses, um, we have seven different um, accommodation establishments some of which we own the physical bricks and mortar, some of which um, we lease properties and, and manage them for our own account, and some which we manage on behalf of other owners. But each one of those have a complete different audience, a complete different target market. So I need to ensure that, the, that firstly in terms of client acquisition, so what, what are my sales and marketing team doing, is the, the, the journey that we that we go out there into the marketplace to get clients to go to Montague Springs, which is a beautiful little resort two hours from Cape Town, is very different to what we have to do to get guests to come to the Coliseum Hotel. So there is no one uh, uh, cookie-cutter mold that you would be able to identify this as a singer group property. For us, we, we, is it going to make commercial sense? Is it going to employ people? Right. That's, where we, that's when we decide whether we're investing in a business or not. Um, for 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 um, a property like like Montague Springs, it is the easiest business to market, right? It is a much loved brand in Cape Town. I always joke and say there are two types of people in Cape Town: those that have been to Montague Springs and those that want to go to Montague Springs. Um, it is it is somehow it's just found ourselves we just found ourselves into one of the life rights. Um, like a rite of passage for for a Capetonian, so it's a it's a it's a it's a fun brand to work on. We are so self regulated by the the guests and the community there online. If we as a brand set one foot out of line, or if somebody comments and puts one foot out of line, it is the most incredible. If you ever wanted to have a definition of an online community for a brand, they own that brand online. In fact, it took me years to claim that unofficial fan page that all the Montague Springs guests started 
as opposed to my official pages because they were just such a growing community that the fans of Montague Springs. Um, that's, a, that's a very, very different experience of how to get guests to choose. That one is based on, on, on a brand that has built itself up with integrity and experience for, for, for decades and decades. Uh, a brand like Coliseum, which is the domestic corporate we spoke about, there it's very much a sales action. I need to make sure that my sales team are sitting in front of the decision makers, the travel bookers, the PAs of those um, business people at those corporate offices who are traveling. Right? And I need to buy assurance there that the room is going to be ready. The Wi-Fi is going to be working. If he needs an early breakfast, it's going to be there. If he needs his suit pressed, it's going to be there. If she needs to have her hair done, where does she go? All of these things, I need to make sure that um, that I trust the P or that the PA trusts me because who's going to get the grief at the end of the day if the hotel's not up to scratch? The secretary is going to get it, or the travel agent is going to get it, right? So there, I need to buy my trust with the travel booker, and she, she or he looks different in, in many instances. Um, in terms of the bigger picture, in Century City. We have a really, really good relationship with, with firstly, with the, with the developers of Century City, all the businesses in the region. Century City is run like a, like a, like a business in itself, right? It's a massive precinct. Um, it has three levels of security, which is important to us here in South Africa. Every business has its own security. Then you have the Century City security, and then you have our police services as here in, here in Cape Town. Um, Century City, there are other hotels. There is the beautiful Century City Conference Center, but we speak on a daily basis, right? We're, we're in this together. There, there is, there is so no... I, I, just, mm. I stayed at the Century City. The staff, there was a clear difference in the staff mm. between your hotel and the other yes, hotel. Yes, yes. Um, I'll tell you what, what, what I think a difference is, Dennis. And, you know, I was worried that you were going to ask me a question and please tell me what your training program is please tell me what training programs you've sent your staff on i have not done that formally right but what i do do is our general managers and myself if there is a function in the restaurant right i help serve i help clean i roll up my sleeves mm -hmm. and i get dirty and so do our general managers there is nothing that I will not do in this business. And I lead from the front. Often I drive my staff crazy because I don't know how to work the point of sales system. And I've just taken an order of five beers and 25 margaritas and I've got no idea how to enter it into the point of sales system. And then I cause chaos. But um, I, I do know that I could say this loud and proud that my staff know that they will never be left to do something that I'm not willing to do and that I haven't done myself, especially when I can see that they are under pressure. I also do believe in consultation because if I do not ask the waiter who serves the, the, the guests every day what the challenges are, how am I going to know? I can never ever be oblivious or be ignorant to what the staff are experiencing on a daily basis because they are client facing on a daily basis. So for me, the development and the training and the leadership and thank you that it's actually being experienced in the business is really just being part of the team you have to be part of your team you can lead 
But being a leader does not put you outside of that team. You lead, you stand in the middle with the team surrounding you. That is how you lead in, in, in my world. So true. Tell, let's shift gears a little bit. You were going to talk about, so this that's your business, yes. but you have a role yes. outside of that. And yes. we were talking about, you know, how we draw people to South Africa using customer experience, but that's, that's that's those that comes in different shapes and yes. forms as yes. I've learned here and while well, I've been here. Yes. Okay. Um, there. So I wear a couple of hats. I've been very privileged to have called hospitality and tourism my home. Um, as I've mentioned, we've been in the business for many many decades, and I've been able to create employment in this industry. South Africa's. Not an easy country to live in. But as you can see, as you can feel, it is fucking addictive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I believe the easiest way, the quickest way for us to save our economy, turn around this country and create employment is through tourism. There are very yes. few, there are very few um, barriers to entry in the tourism industry, right? We're not building a shopping mall. We're not digging up a new mine, right? Along the tourism supply chain, there is space for everybody. Whether, whether, it's, whether it's producing jewelry that you're selling in a market or selling in a hotel shop, whether it's producing the microgreens that you want to sell to a restaurant, um, whether it's digital marketing, whether it's being a, a, a marketing agency to promote hotels, tour guides, Transfer drivers, uh, chauffeur drivers. I mean, we could sit here all day and we can mention, mention uniforms, laundry, electricity, pest control, Wi-Fi. The list is endless. There is a space for almost every business in tourism in South Africa. I found myself in the middle of lockdown faced with a situation where we stood to lose everything. And I had to be able to look my team in the eyes and know that I've not gone down with a fight. I have given everything that I've had to keep my doors open. But we were fighting against so many forces. We were fighting against um, a government that was trying to save a massive population. We were fighting against bureaucratic systems that were not working. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get onto those things. But I decided, okay, I said to my team one morning, I said to them, Listen, I'm not going to be able to pay you salaries for a long time. Our, our doors are shut. If there is no money coming into the business, I cannot have any money going out, right? But you have two choices here. If you want to leave now and you find employment where you are going to get a salary, absolutely go because we go right down back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs here. Mm -hmm. We know what comes first, right? No matter how much we love and respect each other, if you cannot pay your bills and you cannot feed your children, you must go. Or you're sticking around for the long run. You're going to be working for free. You're going to be working your asses off. But I promise you when the day comes, we are all going to reap the benefits, right? It was one of the hardest calls I've had. In mm -hmm. I mean, even having this conversation with you is triggering. Um, and we stuck around, right? They stuck around. It was some of the hardest but most fun times of our lives. Because we did the craziest shit. We came up with a recipe book in 48 hours, which we published a digital recipe book. We raised, I think, just over 150,000 rand online. 
which went to the staff. Um, we we really did some some crazy things because we had absolutely nothing to lose. But in that time, I thought, if I want to save my business, I, I need to be heard and I need to have a voice. And how can I be heard? How can I have a voice? I need to be able to speak to government, but they're not going to take my call. They're dealing with a crisis. So what's the best way for them to hear me is I need to reach out to the organizations or the associations that represent tourism. And I made contact with the hospitality association. It's called Fedhasa. And I said, listen, what can I do? How can I get involved? Because I need to speak to government. I need to tell them what's going on here. I need to find out what they're doing for us. And it just so happened that uh, it was a few weeks away from from their AGM, from um, their new elections for a new board. And I said, I'm putting my my name in the hat. And here today, two years later, I'm chairperson of Fedhasa here in the Cape. Um, because tourism, as I've said, is where we can create jobs. There are people in our country and in our city who are never going to have permanent employment. And I cannot live in that world, right? I cannot fix everything. But if I can create one more job, it's better for one person. And in turn, it's better for a family. Um, I think the stats and um, stats are, are not my strength. I'm a words person, not a numbers person. But I think for every one permanent job that's created, six other people are sustained, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for every one tourist that visits, I believe seven permanent jobs are created, right? So the value of of tourism is immeasurable in in saving our country and the precipice where we find ourselves now. So that is why I've, I've put up my hand to serve as chairperson of Hedhasa. And then I sit on the board of Cape Town Tourism, which you'll like the story. As a young, naive marketing student moving into this beautiful city, um, I came from a little small town two hours from Cape Town. And I thought, oh, God, can you imagine having the job of working for Cape Town Tourism? Because I'm a marketer, I'm a salesperson. Can you imagine having to sell brand Cape Town? And here I find myself 37 years, well, more than 37 years later. No, how old am I now? 27 years later, being a member, a director of K-Town Tourism, right, which is like a, a career highlight for me when I joined last year because I get to tell the world why K-Town is the number one destination. And as you pointed out, we've got a hell of a lot of competition out there, right? Um, we, 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 we fight against big brands like, like, like Venice, like Rome, like, like, I mean, with lists yeah. of like the states, you know, the, the list is, this competition is endless. We have long haul flights. It's a, it takes a long flight to get here, right? But our job as Cape Town Tourism, my job as, as Fedhasa is to highlight all the positives and remind people and tell people these are the reasons to come. And you've experienced those reasons, right? It takes a bit longer to get here, but once you're here, it's well worth it. So let's talk about your voice and those reasons. So thanks to you again, I'm working on a customer experience story in the BPO sector. Um, I've been talking a lot to the public and private sectors and learning about the challenges and opportunities uh, in different ways of, um, uh, for South Africa. Here's what's interesting to me. I think, you know, for instance, my wife is a travel 
She, she does all the research. She's all travel all the time, all around the world, wants to know every single thing. And so she very well, she, she's well-versed about South Africa. But I think the general, and I'm only speaking from the United States, so much of our media and even our popular music feed the world, you know, uh, feed starving children in Africa. There's just been so much media around that. Mm. That what I found is being here, mm-hmm. um, it, it, there is South Africa in, in the city, it's one part New Orleans, mm. it's one part Bermuda, mm. it's one part New York or Chicago, it's one part San Francisco. So I don't think people immediately come up with that. So you, when you're telling the world mm. do you encounter i i'm trying to expose if is it just me in the united states i'm just stupid and i think mm-hmm. starving children or no i mean i could flip the coin and and you know when you're in the first conversation you i had was my perception of of your state of texas and and you pointed out to me that you know there, there are different experiences and the same with us africa sadly will 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 for a long time still have this perception of you know the 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 feed starving children and wild animals running on the street i mean if i had wild animals running in the street tourism would be booming a lot more than what it was right so, <laughs> so that's something fair, that's fair. a negative um but the it, it's interesting that you mentioned this and i've um you know i'm not allowed to speak out of turn but we are about to undertake some different marketing campaigns as a city that is going to do exactly as you've pointed out. Um, this neighborhood is the New Orleans, and we won't label it with oh, international of cities, course, of course. this is the experience you get here. If you're a foodie, this is your hood. If you are an adrenaline junkie, this is your hood. And um, because we speak to so many different audiences, and what do travelers look like today? Travelers could look like you and I, Travelers are here for sporting events. They're here for, for music concerts. They're here for, for, for to speak at big um, conferences. They are here on holiday. They're here because they, they're wine lovers or they're photographers or they're ornithologists. Um, how do we, because you and I know that in customer service, there's not one size fits all customer. Every customer is a human being. They've got some things in common. Who is a successful marketer? Who is a successful brand is the one that identifies you as a human being and speaks to you as a human being. And and back to our original story, and makes me the hero of my own story. Exactly. Exactly. I'm glad that I'm glad to see that 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 piece of it is being overcome. Is there um, you know, I feel like we're in some ways I want to I want to share your voice and and but I also I'm trying to contribute your mission. I'm just going to throw this out there. One other thing that I had heard, um, because my wife is also in production for major um, brands, she was like, Dennis, people love to go shoot film mm. commercials mm. in South Africa because you can get the, mm. the New Orleans or the San Francisco. So that's how I, that's how I learned yes. how to speak. But I think you have opportunity for um, work films, content to be created here it's 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 a massive business right it's a massive business so film tourism is real we have uh so if i can quickly um take a minute to just set the scene yes we have our national government then we have provincial government 
And then you have municipalities, local municipalities that, that manage regions, and then cities have municipal areas, right? Municipal districts. In Cape Town, or in the Western Cape, we have an organization called Westgro, and Westgro is our investment agency. So what Westgro does is goes out there and tells the world why you should invest in the Western Cape. That could be their agriculture sector who goes out there and tells people why they should be buying our fruit, why they should be investing in our mines. Westgro has, um, has a sub-agency called Air Access. They're the ones who go out there and negotiate those flights because if our visitors and our business people and our cargo can't get in and out of our, our, our province, we're fighting a losing battle. They've got the, um, they, they've got a department that focuses just on cruises, right? Um, they've got a department that focuses on film and production. There is a whole team who does just that. And we have had some incredible movies, incredible series being shot in the Western Cape. So it's not just ads, it's ads and it is full, full length feature films, documentaries. Um, I wish I had all the names up because between you and me, I don't watch a lot of TV and movies. I'm a podcaster and I listen to music. So I wish I could give you all the names, but it is a massive, massive business. Um, and then you've got stalls that are shot here as well. So, so film tourism is real. It is a, a very, very, very successful sector in the Western Cape economy. Maybe I'll do some research and throw it into the mm. description of this podcast. Mm. <clears throat> so speaking of being a podcaster and going out and the kinds of media you consume, let's shift gears. Here's what I want to just summarize that I think we've discussed to, to point, which is when you're, you're a business owner, and you are in the hospitality industry, you have a, um, rightfully so, but also mature customer experience mentality. You put that into action. I've seen that myself, you, whether out of necessity, but you clearly have an, a, a passion for it. Mm. You've then gone on to a more... Um, community building, um, governmental, uh, uh, public role within this part of the world with the voice of tourism. And um, I would also say employment and, and culture, I mm. think you described those things. So then I think what the world wants to know is from there, wh what is this, what is your voice going out to the rest of the world? What is your personal brand? We're all on a journey. And I just say mm. this because I'm like constantly every day working on like, mm. what, what does my personal brand mean tomorrow? T tell me about your vision for what happens for you next. Where are you going? How mm. can people join in your conversation, follow your story? So, so I have, I have, I'm very lucky. I don't know if it's a, if it's something that one is born with or something that one can teach yourself. But I have a very positive outlook on life, right? Someone once described me when I said, oh, I'm the cup half full kind of person. And he said, well, you're the fucking cup runner over type person, right? Um, I, in the middle of, it was the day that our national lockdown was announced. I had to go for an interview. I was nominated for, for um, 
was called the Gender Mainstreaming Awards, and I was nominated for a Positive Role Model Award. And I had to go have an interview in a hotel that was locked up because it was lockdown was announced that day. Now, I don't know if you've ever been, you see hotels are open 24 hours a day. As a hotelier, one of the most dramatic moments of your life is to go into a hotel that is locked up, where literally the doors are locked, the linen is stripped off beds, the mattresses are stacked against the walls, and those front doors of a hotel are locked. It is, it, it is very traumatic, right? It is, it is, it is a visceral uh, representation of where we found ourselves. Um, I had to go for this interview because I was nominated. And I sat there thinking, how the fuck am I going to sit in front of this very impressive senior business leaders and convince them that I'm the person to win the Positivity Award when my industry has just been shut down? And I must have done a good job because I won Positive Role Model of the Year Award. Um, and for me, it's simply a choice, right? We can make a choice on a daily basis whether we are going to go out there and give it our best shot or we're just going to accept mediocrity and not make effort. And I know that comes easier for some people than it does for others. And I know when you are a person of privilege, it is often a lot easier than it is for somebody. And I again go back to Maslow, right? If my tummy is hungry, please don't tell me that I've got to try and you know, be of service. But we all know that, that you can train your brain to operate better, to feel better, to make yourself think positively and act positively. Those are, our brain is a muscle, just like we train every other muscle in our body. It's exactly the same thing. You can train yourself to, 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 to have a better outlook on life and act more positively. So my brand really is all about positivity. And how do I, how do I spread the positivity? I make it inclusive and I show people that everybody is welcome in the tourism industry. Whether you are straight or gay, whether you are a man or a woman, whether your skin is white or black, whether you are old or young, there is a place for everybody around the table. And that is really what my personal brand is about. I'm not your typical hotelier. I didn't go to hotel school. I'm just a freaking salesperson, right? But I found myself in the hotel business. We own hotels. Um, I came into these public roles feeling completely out of my depths. But I realized that the people who are representing my industry don't look like me and they don't look like my guests. Something's got to give. Something's got to change, right? Because if we don't look like our guests, how can we speak for our guests? If we don't look like our business owners, how can we represent our business owners? So for me, it's all about inclusion and diversity and making everybody feel like your voice is valuable. Everybody's voice is valuable. People often ask me, what does diversity look like? Diversity looks like, the, like looking in the mirror and seeing the exact opposite. Now, if you look in the mirror, I'm your exact opposite. If I look in the mirror, you're my exact opposite. And the same when, when, when a, a young person, a young black girl looks in the mirror, a white man is her opposite. That's what diversity is. And that's what representation is. And in terms of our tourism industry and your business, the service industry, we need to ensure that our staff and our employees know how to handle the person that looks exactly the opposite of us and hear their story and see them as a human being. We could be complete opposites, but we're all human beings. And as you pointed out, we just want to be acknowledged and feel heard and have our story be told. So 
my greater, bigger plan, I would love to have my own podcast series one day. That is my, my I'm going to help you with that. Please. That is my, my dream. Um, I, would, I would consider, if you had to ask me what success would look like in a few years' time, is when the people sitting around boardroom tables look different to what they do today. That would be success for me, right? That I've paved the way, and this is not just for men or for women or for people of color or people of disability or, or different sexual orientation to me. This is you are there because you can make a difference because of your, because of your skills and the passion that you're bringing. When I appoint people, Secret, please don't tell people, and I hope this does not get broadcast. No, it is getting okay. All right. I don't often look at CVs. Oh, I look at CVs, right? And I do reference checks, but to me, your qualification is not important, right? It is your ability to want to learn, and it's your ability to want to serve. Because unless you're becoming a brain surgeon, your qualification is really not that important, right? Because most people can be taught the skills. It's your aptitude and your attitude and your culture. Are you going to fit into my culture? Because it sounds like I'm easy to work for. I'm not, right? Um, I get the sense that you're tough as nails. I, I am. But I am disorganized. You could work for me for six months before you have an employment contract, right? Because for me, it is the customer is, is always first. But I have to remind myself, who is my most important customer? my internal customer, right? So I've got to look after my internal customer as much as I look after my external That's customer. And those are just some of the personal lessons that I've had to learn in terms of my leadership style, that that I can't just focus on this guest standing in front of me. If my staff member couldn't get to work this morning, if, if um, they don't have money to pay their bills, if they have a sick child at home and, and we said that you've got to come to work because, um, you know, you've used up your sick leave, how can that person then serve my guests? So my personal brains, my personal learnings have been to acknowledge that my internal customers, my, my team, they are as if not more important than my guests. Yeah. I love everything you said there. Here's what I, I heard is uh, because, again, I think people understand diversity and inclusion on some level. But what I think I heard you say going forward and what I'm seeing is when you jump forward, you say, I'd like somebody in the boardroom to, to be diverse or included. I'm, I'm not sure that's really what I heard you mean. What mm-hmm. I think I heard you say was you have experience in the transformation of people through the businesses that you've created. And that I think you believe that um, the growth or evolution of business acumen or the ability to serve, whether it's in government or in the boardroom, can be learned as a life skill nurtured and that you're exploring pathways to bring people from point A to point B to C, D, E, F, and that your mission is to somehow navigate your universe in such a way that 
the strengths and experiences you've been able to cultivate become assets for those around you and that you would feel satisfaction if you at one point sat at a boardroom where everyone around had somehow come through that same experience because you broke down the barriers. I love I love the way that you've that you've framed it. Um it's it's always lovely to to hear someone take what you've said and say it back to you because it just puts everything into such more clarity and perspective. I'm going to tell you a story which is going to put what you've said and I've said perfectly. I walked into the property that we are now, Dolphin Beach one day, Dolphin Beach Hotel, and there was a new student hotel school intern and she was placed behind the the front desk, so hotel receptionist. And the minute I heard her voice, I looked up because she had this fantastic, beautiful voice. And I introduced myself and I could see, oh my gosh, here we have a gem, right? We have a gem. This is someone to look out for. And after a few weeks, every time I walked in, I heard her voice. I saw the self-confidence. I thought, this person cannot be standing behind a desk. She needs to get out from behind that fucking desk, right? And she needs to get on the floor. I spoke to Viwe. I said to her, Viwe, you cannot be a hotel receptionist. You need to get in front of our clients. You have no experience, but you can do this. I need you to become our hotel sales executive, right? Have you got a driver's license? Let's get you sorted so that you can get on the road and go find us business because I can tell that you can sell and people will buy into you. Today, Viwe sits on the board of Fedhasa with me, right? And that for me is one of my life's greatest success stories. Aside from the businesses we have, aside from three gorgeous kids, that to me is one of my greatest success stories because I know that I have played a little part in paving this way for this young woman to not only today be sales manager of a freaking massive competitor across the road, which pisses me off every day. I wish she would come back, right? Um, but I knew that there was someone here who had potential who just needed a little kick under their butt, who just needed to be told, you can do this. And look where she is today. It's one of my proudest accomplishments. She is on the freaking board of Fenhasa with me, right? So that, that is the, the best way for, for me to, to, to illustrate what success looks like for me. So I so I'm glad I I I was listening and yeah. I, I heard your story. Well, what I would say is congratulations on your resiliency through through some trying times, being able to stay positive in that. And oh, and while I do think a lot of Africans that I've met show that you sort of exemplify it. And the fact that you're able to transfer it to others, I think makes you a great service leader, leader in the hospitality industry. Um, <clears throat> the last question I usually ask people is this. I'd like you just to say your name again. And if you had one thing to say to the rest of the world, what would it be? My name is Leanne. And you have permission to share your gifts. Thank you for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure.